0: 144 is printed again for you on page 7 of your bulletin. I invite you to turn there with limited time this morning. I will be going verse by verse through it and trying to exhort you to consider this a prayer worth praying with regularity for yourself, for your family. For your community, whether that be county or city, and of course for your congregation, St. Paul Lutheran Church. It begins with words that have a hard place in most of our American lives. Blessed be, let's say, Jesus Christ. He's the one who's Lord. Blessed be Jesus Christ, my rock, who trains my hands for war. Now, I know you're not normally planning to go to war against your neighbor in your neighborhood, at least not yet. There are some in our society who would like to talk as if that's coming. Maybe they're right, maybe they're wrong. Certainly, in such a day, you would want to have confidence that your God is on your side. That if, in fact, you are being assaulted, that your duty to protect your neighbor and your children and those around you who are good is something that you would want to know God is wanting you to do. But let me suggest that before that day comes, training your hands for war recognizes that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but first against principalities and powers of the present darkness. If there is some sort of global conspiracy at the moment seeking to put to an end all of the good things that Western civilization has and has done, let me suggest that before any secret council of men has planned such a thing, It really is about the diabolical wickedness of the devil and his hatred of goodness. He hates law and order. He hates fathers. Of course, the patriarchy would be a wicked thing in his sight, since the father of all lights, the God of all gods, is who he's in rebellion against. And if he can convince little men to become women and little women that they ought to be men, well then he has certainly done his job. So when Paul, or excuse me, when David then says, "Blessed be Jesus Christ who trains my hands for war," we want to hear this first and foremost as the God who has redeemed us into a thinking that is clear that we would use our hands for good and not for evil, that our minds would be set free and clear according to his holy word in all things, that no matter what lies of the devil come our way, what flaming arrows he might shoot at us, be they that we would reject nature or be they that we might think our sin is too great and our shame is too heavy for Jesus' blood to buy us, we would know those things to be the lies that they are. And we would fight back with the shield of faith and the sword of the Holy Spirit. He trains my fingers for battle. He is, verse 2, my loyalty. Kesed. I've said this word before to you. Kessed. Loyalty. It does mean love, but it means commitment as well. He is my loyalty and my fortress, my stronghold and my deliverer, my shield, and he in whom I take refuge, who subdues my peoples under me. All of that words about how God is for you, not against you. He is your protector. He is the place to go when things are rough. And for you, Christian, that means today and tomorrow and every day going to him in prayer. Going to him with true words from the scriptures about what you need, which again the rest of this psalm is going to give us. And then we will see him subduing people, subduing peoples under us, whether it be your children living in faithful submission to you, whether that be simply that we show ourselves at St. Paul Lutheran Church to be a strong force in the community for the pro-life cause and have others see us and want to be like us and follow us in that way. David, of course, is talking about himself as king, and certainly this is fulfilled most truly in Jesus Christ himself, who, lifted up on the cross, now draws all men to himself, and we as Christians submit ourselves to him as those subdued by forgiveness of sins. Verse 3 asks, Why, O Lord, what is man that you regard him? Or the son of man that you think of him? Verse 4, man is like a breath. His days are like a passing shadow. David marvels that God would care about him. And if you've ever taken the time to turn off the TV and go out on a starlit night and just stare at that marvelous universe above us for 15 or 20 minutes, you might have had that moment where you go, What am I? Are those things burning balls of gas so far away? That's incredible. How do we know that? Even if it is true that, in fact, the universe is infinitely expanding, how much smaller does that make me? How short is my life? How short are the last 50 years of American history? How short is the American empire? How short is the time since Jesus left? What is man? We're a breath. We pass. And again, so today, as you make your commitment to each other, as St. Paul Lutheran Church remember, how small all of these things really are, especially in comparison to the God who made you, gave it all to you and is sworn by a bloody oath to you that it's not gonna end when it looks like it's ending, but it is only gonna dawn with a new morning and a greater day yet to come. He then calls out some imagery from Exodus, both from the crossing of the Red Sea and from Mount Sinai to basically ask God to intervene in his life the way that God intervened in the people of Israel's life. Bow your heavens, O Lord, and come down. Touch the mountains so that they smoke. Flash forth the lightning and scatter them. Send out your arrows and rout them. Stretch out your hand from on high. Rescue me and deliver me from the many waters, from the hand of foreigners whose mouths speak lies and whose right hand is a right hand of falsehood. One of my greatest liberations in the last several years has been discovering how valuable the imprecatory parts of the Psalter, that is, the prayers against my enemies, how invaluable they've come to my conscience when I don't like what I see happening in the world. And I won't trouble you this morning with my opinions about who's right and who is wrong. Frankly, at that level, I don't care which politician you pray these words against, they all kind of deserve it. What I want you to do is to have the freedom not to think you can't pray these words, and to realize indeed that we have men above us who are lying to us, who lift out the right hand and swear they're on our side, but they turn around and they they don't do what they say. And you can trace back in American history and see that this is a long, long, long standing problem. It didn't start in 2016 or 2020. The part there about the foreigners is important. Please understand this is not about immigration policy. Has nothing to do with whether or not you have a Mexican living next door. It has everything to do with whether or not the person you're talking to is a barbarian. That's what the word really means. An uncivilized person. Right? So I'll I'll read it again and, and say it that way. Stretch out your hand from on high. Rescue me and deliver me from the many waters, from the hands of the uncivilized, whose mouths speak lies and whose right hand is a right hand of falsehood. You're asking for God to protect you from liars. And let me suggest that we need to do this every day. No matter what country we live in, no matter what level of civilization or conspiracy theory or what have you is going on, it doesn't matter. There are uncivilized people, godless people who believe lies are okay and who will lie to your face and steal from you. And What is your defense? Your defense is Jesus. Your defense is to know that your God will set all things right. Your defense is to know that your God will make you wise. Wise to see the liar's hand and then not reach out and take it. Once you know he's going to lie again. He'll bring that back up here in a moment, but first he praises God, trusting that this indeed is what God will do. I will sing a new song to you, O God. Upon the 10-stringed harp, I will play to you. I can't imagine what David would think of a grand piano. Uh, Many, many stringed harp, if you think about it that way. Uh, He goes on, you who give victory to kings. Who puts the kings in charge? Who's gonna decide the end of the conflict in Ukraine and in Russia? Will it be Putin? Will it be someone from the United States? No, it will be Jesus. Jesus will decide. He lifts up. He raises down. What we want to do is attune our hearts to trusting him in such things. He gives victory to kings. He then rescues David from the cruel sword. Hear that as the resurrection of Jesus Christ, whose whose side was pierced with a spear, whose hands and feet were bloodied, who was struck with gory lashes, who was put into the tomb and then rescued three days later, justified according to his works. To buy you with his blood, and then know that you then are David too, feasting upon the flesh and blood of Jesus Christ in the Holy Sacrament, guarantee with the promises of your washing into his regeneration, you are the one that God will always rescue. Does that mean he won't ever let a bad thing happen to you in your life? No, but he will turn every bad thing for an ultimate good, which will be your standing on the last day and The blood of Jesus clothed with white garments, palm branches in your hands, shouting alleluia and seeing every vindication that you have desired righteously fulfilled. Especially, let us hope, the forgiveness of the vast, vast population of the elect. Hmm? Verse 11, Rescue me and deliver me again from the hand of the uncivilized, from the barbarian, whose mouth speak lying words and whose right hand is a right hand of falsehood. And now... The real reason I've picked this psalm for today, the the thrust of the request, the depth of the prayer, is that while we sojourn here in this veil of tears where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, it is not wrong to ask God for peace, quietness, and plenty. It is not wrong to ask God to make us civilized, to show us a path that is righteous before our neighbors. Christianity is not just about feeling bad because you're a sinner. It's about knowing that because you're saved by grace, you can try to make it better without having to earn anything, just seeking the good for the sake of the good. And this prayer asks for that. First, our children. May our sons be like, be in their youth like plants full grown. Uh, so imagine your crops and harvests I don't know how many of you grew tomatoes out there in the backyard this summer, but you see they begin to pop out and show up everywhere. There's so many of them. May our sons be strong like that. Our daughters, like corner pillars cut for the structure of a palace, like beams crafted in great architecture to make a building that will last forever, so that again, blossoming sons and structured beautiful daughters would be generations to come, first and foremost faithful. First and foremost, knowing what the Bible says and believing it to be true. First and foremost, not trusting in their works or their possessions or the value of their lifestyle, but in the precious blood of Jesus, firmly holding them together as a people a generation past, a generation past, a generation past. I first came to you, St. Paul, in the 130th year of your existence. Do you remember when I told you we got 130 more? As well past us, we'll all be dead. Pray for it, pray for it, yes. And then, while we're here, verse 13, I love it. May our granaries be full. Huh? That, that, that means bank accounts you know, for us today. That's what that means. May I have enough? May I have enough and enough to share? May I have some to give? Yeah. Providing all kinds of produce. May our sheep bring forth thousands and ten thousands in our field. That's an unreasonable prayer. That's unreasonable. He's asking for way too much money. Huh? Now, now Here's the kink. Here's the thing. If, if you ask for money for you, I, I kind of guarantee you either won't get it or you'll get it and it will destroy you. Ask for money to give and see if it doesn't come. But then, see, then you're not really asking for the money, are you? You're asking for the ability to do good. St. Paul, pray for the ability to do good to those around us, and the Lord will discipline in that measure. May our cattle be heavy with young, suffering no mishap or failure in bearing. These are indeed promises, by the way, of the Deuteronomy code of the covenant of old. I don't expect that no matter how good we are at St. Paul, how trustworthy we are, how faithful we are, how Bible-believing we are, that we'll have cows that never, never, never miscarry, if we even have cows. Anybody? I know Carl does, right? Carl's got some cows. Yeah, Uh, probably unlikely they never miscarry, but no reason not to pray for it. No reason not to see it as the greater prayer. And really, it it, uh, culminates in verse, uh, in the rest of the verse. May there be no outcry of distress in our streets. May peace reign. Uh, May we be those who trust our neighbors and whose neighbors trust us. May we be men and women of virtue and honor, integrity and uprightness. A worthy prayer. Blessed are the people to whom such blessings fall. Blessed are those who are given faith in Jesus Christ to walk according to his word, trusting in his grace and his blood to be sufficient for all things and therefore freed to hunger for what is good rather than to be afraid that we're always doing what is evil. Blessed are those people whose God is Jesus Christ. I commend to you the Psalter I know many of you have started reading the Bible more in the last year or two. If you haven't picked up the Psalms, do it. The Sons of Solomon and Daughters of Wisdom packets are a good way to start. They give you just a few of them. They're all printed there, and they give you times of day to pray them. And the idea is, yeah, you pray the same one every day. Pastor, won't that get boring? Only if you're not paying attention. What'll happen is you'll memorize them. What'll happen is when you don't do them, you'll start to miss them. What'll happen is you'll start to see them happen in your life. And all these things, St. Paul Lutheran Church, I almost started with this, I'll end with this. I am so blessed to be your pastor. My journey in the pastoral ministry was not an easy one. And I continued to bear wounds and scars. I was afraid to come here today. I'm afraid of gatherings at church because of past things. Nothing at St. Paul, past things. The social tension is high. And yet I am continually blown away by your your meekness, your hunger for the word of God, your gentle spirit with each other, your welcoming of other people. And so I don't say this so you'll say, well, good for us. I say this so that you'll join me in praying for more of it. Praying that we would have more of it to share. Praying that other disciples would join us praying that we would be a light to the nations and a city on a hill in our little corner of Rockford, Illinois, praying that we would never forget that it's all a gift from Jesus. In the name of Jesus, amen.